Welcome to the Inclusive Schools podcast, Forging Inclusive Pathways by Belong. In this podcast, we will unpack themes of bias, prejudice and identity within and outside the domain of education in India. In every episode, we speak to experts who will provide valuable insights in imagining on an inclusive and equitable future of schooling systems in India and contemplate on possible solutions. The title for today's episode is Situating Parents' Needs During COVID Times. With schools closed, parents of school-going children have had to take up the roles of both caretaker and children. Even though schooling at home ensures special attention to a child's diverse needs, it also has its own shortcomings. Under the guise of responsibility, mental health needs of parents are usually ignored. In this episode, we talked to Gopika Kapoor, who is a writer and autism consultant. She recently released Beyond the Blue, Love, Life and Autism, a realistic positive book for parents of children with autism that includes her personal and professional experiences. To help other parents on this journey, she also consults with them individually. Gopika is also a consultant with Point of View, on sexuality and disability and also speaks on autism and inclusion at schools, colleges, clubs and corporate organizations. Stay tuned as we speak with Gopika Kapoor and examine the failings of current educational system to provide support to parents of children with diverse needs. Gopika, it's it's really great to have you here and I think like no one could have been a better guest for this particular episode. Thank you, Saranj. Thank you, Belong for having me on this. It's really a pleasure to be here and to talk about something that I am so passionate about, which is inclusive education. Thank you. So Gopika, we are today talking about situating parents' needs, especially during these troubling times. You have worked as an autism consultant. Can you describe a little bit more about the domain of work that you had been involved in? Sure. So, Saranj, I started out as a parent, a parent who wanted to give back because I was very aware of privilege that I was coming from and uh, very aware of the fact that I belonged to a strata of society. I belonged to a place where I could afford the best of therapeutic care for my son when he was diagnosed. And that is why I decided to join Umid Child Development Center to give back essentially and help other children uh, like Veer, my son. Uh, Along the way, I would watch the therapists at work and I saw what they do. And I realized that all parents are therapists to start out with. All parents learn how to speak with children. They learn how to interact with children. They learn how to play with children. So I realized that a lot of what I was doing was similar to what the therapists were doing. And so I decided to train to be a therapist. And fortunately, Umi Child Development Center, where I worked, was very supportive. And uh, so I could train with them. And I worked with children for 10 years, uh, children and their families, which was the most amazing experience because rather than me teaching them, they taught me so much. So, so much. Each child, each family was a tremendous learning experience. When I left in 2020, it was to write my book. And since then, I have been consulting with parents. 
so i speak with families uh, to help them deal with diagnosis i help them to you know just solve some sort of issues or give them solutions to challenges that maybe they are feeling a little hesitant to ask the therapist or the pediatrician about i help them find resources and it is basically to be somebody who is holding a parent's hand and saying hey i know how you feel i've been there done that and let me help you so that is part of what i do i also consult with an organization on sexuality and disability specifically for young women and i also work on recruitment and hiring persons with autism specifically to train corporates on this and also do sensitization workshops and talks for corporates and plus i run a weekly chat which is across social media called beyond the blue chat where i interview different people connected to the autism space so that in a nutshell is is what i do and that's i think the yeah the extent of the domain of my work that's great to learn kopika and of course in your experience especially professional experience there have been multiple milestones that you have achieved one of your milestones which i would bring up right now would be your book beyond the yes. blue yes and you have mentioned in that book that how your life has changed since you came to realize that your son was diagnosed with autism yes yes so so how has your life been since then so saranj like i have written in beyond the blue i think i have got more from autism than it has taken from me in the sense that it gave me a purpose it gave me something that was bigger than myself it made me advocate for something larger than myself and my family's needs and it really has taught me to be a better person in a sense as cheesy and cliched as it sounds it has and i think my son has his challenges but i have learned to appreciate him so much more and in appreciating him i think i've learned to appreciate anybody who is different because we know that we don't all live in a world where we are cookie cutter images of each other we know that there is diversity in everything and every aspect of our lives and it is really has taught me a lot it's really taught me tremendous amount and more than that i think it is uh, really given me the opportunity to interact with and connect with so many people and to be able to help them and the book itself i've got the most beautiful messages from people saying that i read your book and it gave me hope and for me that is what it's all about i mean i don't care whether it makes it to the best seller list or not or if it wins awards or not for me it all that matters is that a parent reads it and connects with it and feels that they are that they've benefited from it so that essentially is what really makes the difference to me i am in the process of looking for a hindi publisher and i've i've got it translated and i'm hoping to publish it in hindi because i wanted to reach as many people as possible through the hindi publication not just an english speaking or reading audience so i'm hoping that it spreads far and wide we do hope that as well i think like that's a great initiative and we hope that like a lot of parents are able to read your book and take home a lot of learnings from that book as well gopika you have worked with who on their caregivers skill program 
there is barely any conversation about caregivers, let alone their needs. What, according to you, were your core learnings from that experience? So, Saraj, the caregiver skills training program is actually a really very beautifully designed program. It's uh, nine, nine kind of sessions or modules. And the, the whole idea of this is that it is to be taught to non-specialists. And when we put non-specialists in the context of India, it means Anganwadi workers, Asha workers, people who work at the grassroots and are able to really teach this. And they, what it actually is, is very simple, beautiful strategies to help parents work with their children using very limited resources, using limited settings and work with them and teach them various things. This is because given a country like India where there is such a paucity of centers or a paucity of trained therapists where we, you know, have very limited numbers of people who can diagnose children, even less therapists, where even basic medical care is something which is not available everywhere and at easy reach. This was thought to be a way to kind of spread this across the world and be able to really help caregivers. So honestly, for me, the core learning for this, I actually took part in the the pre-pilot of the program and then the pilot was done, conducted at two sites of which I was in charge of one site. And it was in a school which uh, was attended by a lot of children who came from maybe middle to lower income backgrounds. And we did home visits with them. We you know, met the parents every week. And it was amazing what caregivers can do and how they can innovate. They all had problems. They all had issues with resources, but they all were doing everything that they could to help their children. And I think my core learning from this was that if you can empower a parent, then you can, it will really make their, not only a difference to the, their child who has a disability, it will make a difference to their whole family. That empowering that one, it was usually a mother in, in most cases, has such a huge impact on everyone in the entire family. And I remember seeing these mothers when they started out the program. They were hesitant. They were not confident. Towards the end of it, they were all talking. They were sharing. They were discussing their issues. The last session of this program is a program on mental health and how one mother is depressed and how she seeks help for this. And they all started talking about their problems. They all came out. They all gave, gave each other solutions to their problems. You know, And there is so much strength. They all derive strength from each other and they all were willing to share themselves of themselves so beautifully. So I think this is the thing that you empower the caregiver and you created that whole thing of positivity and empowerment within the, the whole family. And that, I think, was my biggest learning. Thank you, Vopik, for sharing that. And uh, I think a lot of conversations that parents do wish to engage in Right. Uh, it's possible through these programs and yes. through very few avenues. Right. 
and you have consulted and provided support to multiple parents through years including pandemic how do you think the pandemic and the lockdown has impacted parents especially those with children who have diverse needs actually saranch it's been very hard for a lot of parents i have been speaking to a lot of my patients parents and uh, it's been very hard to see children with autism persons with autism i should say strive on structure they love knowing basically the answer to four questions this is something which my teacher taught me when at umeed you know where am i going what am i going to do there for how long and what happens next given the nature of this lockdown where we first thought it's a couple of weeks then we said okay it's a couple of months and now it's actually been a couple of years right there is no predictability predictability is something which is extremely important for people with autism it is something which again gives them a lot of structure and like i said they thrive on structure so when here you are faced with a situation where a lot of them were stuck in the house they had no outlet to go out and exercise or go out and just just be in the open air some of this these spaces that they were confined to were small flats small chawls or small spaces which were extremely crowded because it, they were not the only ones there there were also their parents and there were uh, various other people who were confined to these places so i've heard of a lot of families a lot of parents calling me and talking about their very mild sweet tempered children who suddenly became very violent who suddenly did, because they didn't know how to express themselves they didn't know what to do their anxiety shot up because there were no answers being given to them because we didn't have any answers right i mean the whole the whole lockdown and pandemic has been a time of such uncertainty and flux if someone were to ask us when will this whole thing end nobody has an answer no one can give a concrete answer and here what people with autism want is concreteness so there was no concrete answer they were stuck in the house anxiety was through the roof and so sometimes the only way they could express themselves was to lash out so for parents it became extremely difficult the second thing was how do you keep them engaged people with autism have limited leisure activities and keeping them engaged in the house in a small confined space became crazy because when they are not engaged you know as a therapist i can tell you that very often they will they will can carry out behaviors which would be maybe inappropriate which may be harmful uh, to themselves to others and so there was all that the third thing was with respect to school school put i would say 90% of the burden of schooling on the parents so the parents had to sit in with them during their zoom classes they would have to produce projects or artwork or class work which the parents had to sit in with them on uh, with and do this so in addition to their own household duties their own work if they were working parents here now you had a situation where you had to also school your child and that became very very stressful for a lot, lot of them i've had lots of parents calling me and almost breaking down and saying i don't know what to do because my child is so anxious they are constantly aggressive 
any sort of transition which happens which we know is difficult for them otherwise there are outlets you know they go out they, they travel around the city they have exercise they do things like that but here there is nothing and so the aggression is becoming worse one one of my patients the mother called and said he's broken the tv somebody else called and said i've got bruises on my arms because my child is hitting me and i know that this child doesn't want to to hit me and when i say child it could be even like a 17 year old or 18 year old and that we, they don't want to hit me but they don't have any other outlet and i know it's difficult for them but it's very difficult for me too and at that point of time i think as as a practitioner as a therapist as just a human being you feel so helpless because there is nothing that you can do uh, you know apart from just say that it will get better but what else can you do there's nothing really that you can do so it's been very very hard yeah i can barely imagine i feel yeah. the burden on a caretaker especially in those challenging times which see no end as of now you know exactly yeah on the same line of thought gopika i'm i'm wondering whether the system of education that we follow as a country considers the needs of parents what do you think is the need of the hour and what has been done until now if you ask me what is the need of the hour i think for me when you talk about schooling and you talk about good model of schooling i think especially when it comes to children with disabilities i think it is functional education which ensures that they will not only perform or excel academically but will be able to function in society and in the world so when i talk about functional education it means something as simple as can your tie, child tie their shoelaces can your child tell the time can your child go to a shop and buy something can your child write a shopping list can your child go to an atm and withdraw money or go to a bank and cash in a check go to a restaurant and order their own meal that's exactly what i what is functional education when it comes to even schools for children with special needs with disabilities stress on functional education is very limited and what tends to happen is that there is a lot of stress on academic education ideally what i would hope is that there would be a school parent partnership where the child's needs come at the center very often this balance gets tilted and it becomes the school's needs the school needs this to happen the school needs that to happen and so it's like you know you're trying to it, it's almost that because as a parent of a child on the spectrum i will tell you that it is difficult to find a school which will fulfill all your child's needs and so very often what we all do as parents is we make do okay so you say okay fine you know this 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 is working and this is not so let the things which are not working go and a lot of parents are so relieved that their child has even got into a school even though there is the right to education act even though there is compulsory education for all children till the age of 14 even though all those principles are put in have been put in place on paper 
we know for a fact that is not necessarily the case in practice and so parents are so relieved that their kid has got into some school that if the school is not doing its job they will not challenge the school so when it comes to the needs of parents or the rights of parents or what parents want it is something which is completely not considered in that sense ideally what would be really perfect would be like i said a partnership where the school understands not only the needs of the child the needs of the family so say you have a family where the the mother is a single mom is the sole bread owner is struggling to make ends meet doesn't have much support in terms of looking after the child and is you know having to juggle work and figuring out where to how to manage with her child and things like that for the school to be able to understand that and to really take view each family not as something you know to kind of issue blanket commands over the, the students and the parents but to really figure out that what is it that is going to work for this particular family so say you have a family of a single mom like that and the child is with this mom but the mom has limited time with the child because she's working to just put food on the table in that sense then to to say okay maybe we can work with the child a little extra at school or we can help you with with some kind of project or whatever it is you know instead of saying you have to do this and you have to do that and issuing all these blanket statements and just expecting things so again to consider each family separately and to really consider what are the challenges that each family faces as well as what are the strengths the child has so that both the parents as well as the school can figure out together the best plan for each child to really help them achieve their potential that is what i hope for all parents i wish that that was the case for all schools to implement for all parents i'm thinking that policies too have a very important role in yes. talking about aspects of inclusion sensitivity and representation the national education policy 2020 does mention the needs of the needs of the parents however they do it very faintly right what do you think that policies can do to make things easier for parents i think when it comes to education like i said if parents are made partners if parents are made a part of the child's education i think it would reduce the pressure on children tremendously so for example i know that when we we talk about the national education policy there has been an introduction of more vocational subjects or more updated subjects like i know coding and things like that i know that there has been a more flexible choice given to to a lot of students it, it, to make it a little more i guess child friendly in that sense i think with respect to to parents i really feel that when it comes to to education and to with respect to schooling with of their children for parents to be able to for the school rather to be able to recognize that parents are not teachers 
okay that they are the child's parents and while they can support them they cannot teach them in the way that teachers can is something which is important especially given this situation that we are in where school has become home and home has become school right yeah. so i think that is something which is very important because what is currently happening is that parents are becoming the teachers and that the lines between the two have got blurred this is putting a tremendous amount of pressure on parents because they don't know how to be teachers they do not have the resources to be teachers yes there may be those parents who may want to homeschool their children and they may be motivated to uh, to kind of you know work with their children but that's a separate category i'm talking about you know here for the most part most parents don't have resources or understanding or concepts to be able to teach their child apart from the basic things that they teach them yes as a parent i have taught my children lots of things and i do continue to teach them but do i have it in me to become a teacher and teach the way my my son or my daughter's teachers teach them no i don't because i don't know how to be a teacher and there's a reason why i am not a teacher and why they are teachers the burden on parents like i said has increased and without recognizing what they need so given the current situation where there is this blurring of lines if parents have to take on say 50% of the responsibility there needs to be support given there needs to be resources given to to them on the other hand i think there is also a resetting of expectations that needs to be done because a lot of parents are themselves working parents and cannot be a part of their child's classroom as such so that is something which i think needs to be thought about as well i think more than anything else when it comes to inclusion the the new policy needs to create an environment where parents have a have a forum for redresses a forum where even if it is a school for special needs kids even if it is whatever kind of school it is where if their child is not getting the kind of education that they deserve they they can seek some solutions because like i told you earlier when a parent of uh, when a child gets into a, a a school the parents are often so relieved that that child has been given admission somewhere just yeah. because of the paucity of resources that they will not have the confidence to seek any sort of redressal even if there is an issue so i think to create those safe spaces where parents can really seek redress for their their problems or challenges that they are facing yeah and once it's formalized in some way i think it might be a respite for a lot of parents who are seeking to make these changes not in one school or two schools but perhaps schools around the nation yes yeah that's that's true and we are going towards our next section which we call reimagining inclusive classrooms in this case reimagining inclusive education encompassing parents needs you know yes. so according to you gopika what are the possible solutions or gateways for parents to register their challenges do you think that these gateways have been readily available 
there has been some movement towards in a positive direction i won't say there's nothing so i would say that yes things are getting much better than they were even 5 years ago but i think what is needed is a uh, an attitudinal shift in a number of ways when it comes to inclusive education again we are a lot of schools are inclusive on paper and not in practice which is why you will find that there are a lot of schools what we call special schools right which which are for kids with learning disabilities or autism adhd cerebral palsy and inclusion in a mainstream school is not something which has been addressed that much when a parent of a child who has autism adhd ld cerebral palsy goes to a mainstream school more often than not even though the school is not supposed to they will probably not take that kid in simply because in their minds it is um, more a question of it's too much of a headache and things like that and when that happens there is no way for the parents to seek a solution to that so because the school will turn around and say yes but you know we took these many kids so there is no system where uh, there is a you know like you have in a in a government kind of um, a job where you have a certain quota and even though there there is that i in municipal schools in public schools that isn't really the case in terms of it, it's not really put into practice in that case what do parents do where do they go so very often parents are in that dilemma because they really don't know where to go with these with, with their kids and so what will often happen is that a lot of kids who are able to go to a mainstream school and who would probably be able to be a part of a mainstream classroom and thrive there with the right kind of support would not probably make it there just because the school has said no and the parents have not been able to go anywhere and seek any sort of redressal to for this so i think the solution would really be to have some sort of platform or a body where parents can register these their challenges and not only register the challenges they face but also have concrete and efficient and quick solutions to these challenges available not that you registered a case and then it's it's kind of been waiting i remember this one very famous case when my, when my son was growing up where the parents of a school in north mumbai had registered the case against the school and their kid was finally allowed to be in that school after they took the school to court and then i heard from i mean so so it was it was a win for the parents because the child was in the school but i heard from parents whose other whose kids went to that school that no teachers would talk to this child none of the other kids would talk to this child so that's not what you want right where you have a legal solution but a so- socially everybody is ostracizing this child that that's really not a solution in my mind and yeah. the, the fact of the matter is that it doesn't mean that it why should why should it have to be a situation where the parents take the school to court that is really not what is what is needed so i think it's a very systemic cha- kind of uh, challenge that we are facing and i think it really needs to start from 
a commitment towards inclusion and place for parents to really seek solutions which will then be addressed yeah and uh, of course i think schools and communities as you have mentioned before have a huge role to play in your opinion i think how can communities and not just schools can play a very active role in providing support systems that can be actualized and properly implemented when it comes to communities and society i think what is really missing or what we unfortunately have in a little what we lack actually is empathy and uh, when i talk about empathy i mean just to me empathy is just the simple ability to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and just think about how they must be feeling and how what they must be thinking when it comes to the parents of children who have diverse needs there is so much shaming there is so much blaming you know whether it comes to within the family whether it comes to within society within the community that forget about the support there is on the opposite end there is uh, a lot of blame game going on i remember one patient's mother who used to tell me that every morning her mother in law used to call, call up and ask has your son started speaking yet mm-hmm. and had openly blamed her for her son's condition there are communities where where within housing societies where a family has a child who's autistic where the family has had to move out of the house because mm-hmm. the parents have been so mean and so horrible to this child mm-hmm. so i think really what is needed is empathy and the ability to be able to really help and support will come after this empathy so i think is what is needed is a mind sh- like a change in mindset and empathy comes with acceptance and acceptance comes with awareness so mm-hmm. i'm really glad that you guys are doing things like this which really kind of reach out to people but i think the reach needs to be a lot more i think more people need to be aware that there are children who have diverse needs there are different kinds of children different kind of people who exist in this world they all have their own needs and and just to be able to be aware of that to be able to accept that and not be polarized like we are getting more and more polarized as a society rather than being accepting of differences and i think once that happens we will be able to build a culture of empathy and once that happens then i think the kind of support that parents need from society from communities is possible because otherwise everyone will think this person is like this they will just look at the way they brought up their child the child screams the child shouts they don't know probably the child is having some sort of major sensory issues the child is probably having a meltdown people are so quick to point fingers and be judgmental just because of the fact that this empathy doesn't exist so i think that for me is really what it all kind of boils down to thank you gopika for sharing your views about the same thank you so much for having me on this chat it was really really enjoyable thank you yeah just a last question because there might be certain parents who might be listening to this yes. episode and this conversation and in case if they wish to register their voices somewhere do you think that there are some outlets where they can reach out to 
so you know social media has been absolutely amazing there are a lot of facebook groups a lot of places where they can speak with other parents they can speak with educators there is you know the forum for autism in mumbai there is action for autism there is a, a group for parents specifically called the special mom so there are a lot of these these kind of groups which exist virtually as well as support groups within their own cities and uh, areas which exist and they are all there to support parents so they should just do an online search and look for the kind of groups that they want and find out more yeah, yeah that makes sense so thank you gopika for being here and answering all those questions very thank you taran it was my pleasure thank you